Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. This is episode 29 uh, of the live show on YouTube. Me and Dan just kind of chit-chat about an upcoming road trip we have up to Michigan and kind of how we're going to tackle that that road trip. We also talk about a whole bunch of other things like the Pope and Young, um, cell cameras, just a whole bunch of good stuff in this episode. It was a lot of fun. So if you want to support the podcast, and I really appreciate all the support that you guys have thrown my way. This has been a real good experience, and I love making this content for everybody. Make sure you go over to the YouTube channel before the echo, and I linked uh, the YouTube channel in the description of this podcast. Go over there and hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell notification. There's all kinds of good stuff on that channel, um, and I think you'll really enjoy it. If you like the hunting beast, you're going to like before the echo as well. So um, with that, thank you, and let's get into this week's episode. Hey everybody! Hey, welcome back to the sh- welcome back to the show. Um, how's it going, Dan? We only talked right. briefly. We only talked briefly before we we started. You just got in from the woods, didn't you? Yeah, I just crawled out of the tree. Did you see anything? I did not. Dang! I was in a really good sign though. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't see anything. I think they got around me. I come out and I saw deer feeding away from me when I left in the evening. So I think they came out on a different trail. Um, but, uh, I was where three or four major trails converge out of a bedding area. And there's a couple bedding areas in a row. And I had Rick hunting the backside and that was full of big tracks too. And uh, I really expected, uh, not only to see a deer, I expected we were going to see several and probably shoot one. And uh, I was looking forward to calling you and canceling. Yeah, we talked about that today, about like this might not work tonight. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't, right? Right. And it's, it seems like a, a little bit of a struggle up there. Did, uh, it, did the temperatures uh, cool down? Did you, are you guys cool right now? Yeah, we're cooler, cooler than we've been, but yeah. uh, it warmed up a little bit. Matter of fact, enough that I was surprised it was still a north wind. Oh, really? Yeah, we had a northeast today. It was perfect for the spot I was in. Yeah, we're gonna have northeast. Looks like the for the foreseeable next few days at least, which is uh, uh for our, where I'm gonna hunt at opening day here in Indiana. It's perfect. Couldn't couldn't have been a better wind for it. Um, but it's gonna be kind of warm. Not not warm, but not cold either. It's gonna be 70, 72 or something like that, mm. which can be you know. It can be worse in Indiana <laughs> in October. So I don't know. You guys, uh, you're not going bear hunting anymore, are you? Are you going to? I was going to go um, Friday or Saturday and just do a day trip. But uh, talking to Jeff, nothing's really been getting hit. So uh, one bait was, and uh, he said that uh, I should probably go sit there and uh, I know that uh, he hasn't filled his tag yet, and I said, "Why don't you go sit there?" Because he's yeah. got for this year, and he's been worrying about me and his customers and stuff. And a couple of baits we got reserved. I said, "Jeff, just go sit there. I don't mind." And, and uh, I'll uh, I'll come up if things start getting active, and I still got a little bit of time left. Yeah, when does it go out for bear? Uh I don't know. I think it's the eleventh for me of October. Oh, okay, but, uh, so you got. I don't really don't have a lot of time because of the trips we're doing, but yeah, that's true. 
Well, just this one, I guess, where you have the the Michigan one, and then by the time we go to the Battle of Bows, you'll be they'll be over then anyway, I guess. Right. Yeah. Do you? I was going to ask you this, like the the first after the first week of season down there. Do you do you ever feel like it's? I mean, how much harder is it to shoot a buck after you you've been hunting for a few days? Um, you know what I mean? I don't know. It seems to get easier. I don't know. Not really. It's, it's, it's kind of weird. Um, it never really changes for me. It just changes, um, where I'm hunting and how I'm hunting based on what the deer are doing. Um, the pressure is pretty consistent the whole time. It used to be real low pressure years ago, you know, on the openers. Yeah. Um, nobody really hunted i mean they might hope opening day and then you wouldn't see anybody for a while but um nowadays the um parking lots on opening weekend are like uh like the second saturday of gun season there's a lot of people hunting there's a lot of yeah. people hunting everywhere so um yeah it's just it's not really like you burn spots out there's plenty of places to hunt you just have to figure out what the deer are doing and it's really for me it's more of a mental game because um, you have to look at where people are hunting and think about, uh, well, how's, you know, how are these deer getting around these people? Most people don't kill them. They just uh, corral them and you got to find where they corral them to. Yeah. Those, those big bucks, they just kind of, I don't know, like uh, move into a little hole and hole up when the pressure starts. And my knack has really been to find that hole, you know, and that's what yeah. I call the overlooked spot. Yeah. And that's the whole year I'm doing that. Right. Yeah, I know. I was just curious if you guys, if you, if you noticed that, if like you've had, cause I know you said you've killed some of your biggest deer the first day or two of season. And yeah. I was thinking about that when I was driving home today, I was thinking, you know, it, you, I never really think about it much. Um, but really, if you burn the first two weeks, you're you're pretty much um, looking at what my success has been. My odds go way down. Yeah. For an absolute giant. I shouldn't say they go way down because I'll kill something. Yeah. I'll kill a nice buck probably. But uh, the absolute monsters I've shot, the majority of them come in the first couple weeks of the season. Right. But I've shot yeah. good bucks all the way through uh, early, I mean, late October. Um, and then a couple in rut. Um, it's hard to shoot the real big monsters, the real old ones in rut, especially in the pressured areas. But uh, that pre-rut, late October, is pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. They lay down a lot of sign, and they're pretty predictable. I mean, you, you killed a nice one a couple of years ago, uh, late season, too. I mean, it was like last week of season, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah, late season's even better than early season. It's just that I hardly ever got a tag late season. Right. Right. I think, um, well, I got, uh, I've hunted late season here a couple of times and it's usually in the deer reduction zone. I end up hunting up there because I don't have a tag and go up there and at least hunt during late season. Mm -hmm. Um, one thing I like about late season is just it's a ghost town. There's nobody ever out hunting anymore. Yeah, I don't run like... into the competition once it starts getting good up, up here. One of the benefits we have that might be a little bit more of a benefit than to me than you is it gets pretty bitter cold. Oh, yeah. And uh, usually right around the end of the season is when we have 
you know, we have a good week of, of hunting. And when they extend it through January, then you get some good hunting, you know, but, uh, and if December is warm, you know, at the end of the December, mm-hmm. the early season kind of sucks. But what's good yeah. about late season is that deer are real easy to find. Um, they group up and, uh, the, the hard part is killing them. I mean, you can get on them real easy, but they usually come in with a lot of eyes watching you and there ain't no cover. Yeah. There's no leaf cover or anything. And you get busted a lot more. Yeah. You stick out like a sore thumb, but, and it's sometimes it's hard to be quiet in late season up there, you know, when you guys got snow and if it's not crunchy, yeah, it's, and then if it's still too, like, it feel like you're just echoing every time you take a step, like an echo through the woods. <laughs> right. uh, at least the, the, I've been up there a couple of times in the late season now and it's, it's different. Um, end up getting frostbit and, uh, yeah, but it's a good time. I keep coming up there during late season for some reason. I think people think I'm crazy, but, yeah. uh, we got a, uh, next week we got a hunt plan. That's what we were getting on here to talk about tonight was our um kind of our travel schedule i guess and what we got going on here and how we're going to go about hunting uh, on our our travel trips so we're going to go to michigan that's okay to say right dan yeah so mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to go up to, to michigan and hunt uh what like our northern lore yeah not in like the best part of michigan as far as like uh big deer no, per we're se. Gonna make sure we go where it sucks yeah Uh, yeah but it'll be fun um i don't i've never been i've been to michigan quite a few times but i've never been that far north so i don't really know what to uh expect i haven't really looked at maps yet i mean you were just talking about it i didn't know the area that we were going to until uh today so what do you what do you think we're going to get into up there i think there's um a little mixture of everything big woods so you got swamps you got um marshy areas you got hills you got uh acorn flats all that kind of stuff um is what i'm assuming we're going to get into and for me i think uh my thing would be to gravitate to the swamps because i think that uh, there's a lot of pressure in michigan up in there and there's also wolf pressure and i think that'll put the uh, older class deer down into the low wet areas is there when you say big woods, like it's, there's no rolling hills or anything up there. Is there? I think there is. is. Oh, is there? I don't know that for a fact. Maybe a listener can say, but I think there's rolling hills up there. And, um, I think the more flatter stuff is the swampier areas. Okay. I can't say that for fact, but that's what I believe we're getting into. I only took a glance at the, um, maps. I looked at one swamp. Yeah. But, um, Otherwise, I haven't gotten to it yet. I don't like to look at the stuff too far in advance because I look at so many maps I can't even right. remember what I looked at. So I like to look at them right before I go, so it's fresh. Right. That's uh, all you need to. It's not like you got you can uh, really. You, you don't need all the spots you want on a map. When you yeah. get to one of those spots, they get you in the right area. Sell them as the spot. Right. Right. For sure. What do you think the pressure is going to be like up in that part of the state? Um, I don't moderate. It won't be as bad as it is here. That's for sure. I mean, we're, we're going at a weird time too. Like, you know, you're not going to have, I don't think you're gonna have a lot of people quit hunting. They'll hunt, like you said, opening week, and then they'll quit hunting for a while because it's the, the law or whatever. And, 
Um, it's not going to be the rut. So we're going at a kind of a awkward time for someone to go up there and hunt. Uh, at least your traditional. I think you, you, you get people that don't, um, don't hunt, um, the manner that we hunt. Yeah. I think it's a lot of openings for us. Um, you got people up there that hunt over bait. You got people that hunt and they rotate through stands. They put up permanent stands, which is legal up there. They can leave a stand yeah. sit. Um, and because of that, uh, they educate those deer and, uh, it makes it a little easier for a mobile guy. If, if the majority of people are hunting that way, like where I'm at here, everybody's hunting mobile around my area. Oh yeah. It's tough because you don't know if somebody got in there, did something, you know, or, you know, it, when they actually put up a stand and leave it up, that's kind of, um, uh, nice. Cause you know, where not to go. Right. Right. The, uh, the new trend now is, uh, every mobile hunter leaves a cell camera where they're going to hunt at. Yeah. <laughs> now, you can, now you can see where they're hunting. <laughs> you, you, know, you know what the trend is, is they, um, they do trail camera drops. It's like a new thing. They'll, they'll drop those cell cams all over the place and what they think are potential areas. Mm-hmm. They'll sit at home, watch your phone and wait for it to ding a, a giant buck to them. And then, then they'll go hunt there. Um, but what I'm seeing is they're not even hunting these spots until they get a pick and they're ruining a lot of good spots. Cause you go in there and nobody's hunted there, but they threw a camera in there, you know, a week before season. Yeah. You know, and, uh, no, all the signs gone dead. Yeah. I, I was thinking about this the other day. I was doing something, just thinking out loud and, um, like these, I was thinking these, these mock, mock scrapes, everybody, that's like a real big thing right now. Yeah. Um, cell cameras are a huge thing right now. I just wonder if it's going to be one of those deals where all that stuff will just quit working. Like it'll just, you know, like all the other fads and that's come and gone in the hunting world. If that's something that people are going to improperly use or overuse. And then yeah. all of a sudden it's what everybody else does again. You know, you, you know, it works better than putting 20 cell cams in 20 good spots. Hunting 20 good spots. Fresh. Yeah. Right. The first time you go in, instead of dropping a cell cam. Yeah. Hunt. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, if you want to say lucky, but like my, I don't, cell cams typically aren't an option on the public land I hunt. Like you can't get service in those hills most of the time. So, um, not even an option around us most, you know, unless you're in flat somewhere. I see a situation or two for them where like, uh, I would use one to get some Intel at a spot that I know something's going on and I'm like, I don't know what or when or why, but I'm going to find out. Yeah. Um, and I'm going in there for a hunt. I'm just going to leave this here. See if that animal stays after I leave, that kind of thing. Um, but if I'm running one or two cell cameras, that's a lot for me. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, if you're running uh, more than that, you're probably too busy chasing batteries around and cards and whatever else you're doing. Yeah. Checking right. your phone to actually do any hunting because you need to foot scout and find fresh sign. Not You need to know where the deer are now. Those deer will rotate in and out of areas quite often. Um, they might be in there for like a week. You know, by the time you get those pictures and stuff and you plan a hunt, sometimes they're out of there. But uh, yeah, they can be helpful. I mean, I know people who've done pretty well with them, but man, it's a lot of management, sure. a lot of work. Um, and it kind of takes the fun out of the hunting to, for me to some degree. I mean, I like 
I like using them for a tool in certain specific situations, but um, the overuse, I don't think, uh, helps them out. I think it yeah. helps them more that they're doing that because it pushes those two into positions. Can you think, like, if you could look like 20 years into the future in hunting, you think that'll be something that'll eventually get outlawed? Like, people will be using them so much and they'll get so affordable and cheap that everybody uses them, and all of a sudden it's like a problem almost. Yeah, I think it's going out. Yeah. Think, uh, you know, um, even uh, talking to the local warden, um, he called me the other day and we were, we were talking on the phone and he, and, uh, he, he just kind of made it clear that that's a huge problem for him. I mean, that's one of his biggest thing is he's policing trail cameras. He's, yeah. The majority of them are illegal here. You know, they don't have no name, address, number on them. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a requirement here. And uh he's got to go out and police that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I don't know. It's, it's still, I always am very conflicted about like how much technology I let into my, my hunting, uh, realm. And it seems like the, the more you use technology, the less, you know, the, the, the worse you do sometimes it's like, there's nothing that really competes with good woodsmanship and reading sign. There isn't Um, really. Yeah. You, you, you know, um, it's, they, they, they help and they don't help, you know, yeah. locating, locating a, a big bucket, knowing what Lewood lot he's in is huge. Right. And a camera can help you a lot with it. It doesn't even have to be a cell cam. It just has to be a, no. a camera to locate that deer. Yeah. And sure. once you know, he's in there, now you hunt him down with your old, good old skill. Yeah, exactly. Um, but putting that camera near a bedding area or, uh, where you think you're going to kill him you're getting your scent in there and you're pushing him out. And now you got to wait mm-hmm. to see if he comes back and that can take a long time. And then when he does come back, he's leery. Think about that whole, uh, first sit theory and look at the, you know, the fact that, uh, most people, the bucks that they have that are over five years old were on the very first time they sat a spot, even though they sit spots over and over and over again. You, you know, um, when you look into that, you think, well, what good is it to get into a spot? drop a camera and then back out and wait a week or two and go back in. Yeah. You know, even if the deer's there, he's going to be checking for you. Those big deer are just too smart for that stuff. You know, so I don't think it hurts you to have a camera out there. And if you get a picture, go after that deer or something like that. But I think if you're dependent on that, if that's your dependence, is yeah. the cell cams and that's your whole plan, you ought to rethink your plan. I don't think they're a bad tool. I just no. think people are getting way too dependent on them. Yeah. I've, I, during hunting season, like I almost don't pay attention to my cameras. Like it's, I, I don't check them. I don't mess with them. Nothing. I, you know, it's just all, you know, all the summer I run them and, and try to find, you know, cause you know, some big deer can leave some sign that maybe, um, you know, I don't want to shoot or whatever. And, and you, that's a, that's what I use them for. Like I want to find a couple bucks that I want to shoot this year. Um, and that way I'm, I'm you know, focusing in on this certain area, um, instead of chasing something that, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't want to shoot or whatever the case may be, but yeah, you know, I don't know. I was thinking about that the other day. I was mowing or something and I was like, I wonder if them things will be around in the future. Yeah. I uh, think they're going to get outlawed in a lot of places. I think you see more and more, um, places outlawing. Yeah. Just and then all the use pretty much all the, um, like scoring, uh, 
like Pope and Young, Boone and Crockett, uh, all the other like random ones that, uh, you know, uh, they, you know, they already are illegal to, you can't enter a deer. I wouldn't you, call uh, it illegal. It's a rule. That's what I meant. Yeah. They're, uh, their club that they have is illegal in their club to, to be a part of it or enter your deer. Yeah. I think but, those uh, clubs are stupid. I yeah. Mean, uh, literally, um, I, I might, uh, tell you it's easier to kill a deer with a, you know, by hunting old school, but in the same realm, I think any way somebody takes a deer legally is their business. Sure. Uh, somebody's going to keep a score record. I think it should be a score record. Not, not uh, if I deem you ethical. Yeah. You know, who am yeah. I to say who's ethical and who's not ethical? And some club telling me who's ethical and not ethical beyond the law. Right. A little bit out there. It's a little snobby. Yeah, for sure. I would like to see if somebody's going to have a record keeping organization. They keep records. They don't depict uh, what kind of person, what type of person, um, if they shoot the same way they shoot, if they use the same products they use, then they can be in their record book. That's just kind of, I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of their weird rules is I don't agree with anyway, like light and knocks and, uh, like if, if I have my GoPro mounted to my bow and I shoot a deer with that, it's, that's illegal or that's not ethical for their right. record book and stuff. And then I don't know. And then I the also, whole thing with lighted knocks, I mean, they, they, um, they were illegal or not illegal against the rules. Right. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, they literally kicked people out of the record books, took all the records out of the books because they were seen on video shooting a buck that they had entered into the book with a lit knock. And then later on, somebody that they really like, who's a member of their club, shoots a buck that's going to be like a world-class record. They shot it with a lighted knock and they're like, oh no, what do we do? He, he won't put it in the books because he shot it with a lighted knock. Well, let's change the rule. So yeah. the rule changes for him, but not for all those people that, uh, that did it in the past, you know? But good thing for me is I never really cared about those records anyways. I don't put any of them in the books. Right. Right. Uh, you got to pay to put them in too, I think. I think it's yeah. like 50 bucks or something. I can't remember yeah. how much. Just like, just like everybody else, when I was young and starting out, I put a few of my book, bucks in the books. Um, yeah. It was cool. It was the thing to do. But you learn you learn pretty soon that, um, you know, I'm not one of them. I'm not one of the elites. You know, I'm just right. a hunter, you know, and that. Really, this it kind of takes away from the the trophy in, in my my eyes. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, I don't care if you know it's an eight year old six pointer that scores one twenty, and if you get a three year old that scores two hundred, I don't think there's much difference. I think the six pointer is probably cooler, but uh, the record book book puts a value on uh, on uh, the younger buck that has more antler mass you know right yep for sure i don't know i have a friend that's a scorer for pope and young and uh he uh he seems to have mixed emotions about it i think he joined he, he's been doing it for years and years and years and i think he when he first started it seemed like maybe he was he liked the meeting the people that are kind of like-minded and going to the events and seeing friends and whatnot and then uh, it seems like it's a lot more political now than mm -hmm. anything else. But anyway, um, so now that we're kind of a few minutes into it, I got to give my 
my spiel here. Now we got some people on. If you guys want to ask your questions, just leave them in the comments. Um, and me and Dan will try to get to them at the end of the uh, at, at the end of the show, and then I'll put a link to call in tonight. So if you want to get on here and ask us a question in, uh, in a little bit, I'll just be looking in the comments. You'll see it. Uh, just follow the link. Uh, also, don't forget to hit the like button if you like what we're doing. That helps the YouTube algorithm. Helps people. Uh, it tells YouTube that you like it, and then that way they so they uh, recommend it to others. Um, and then subscribe if you haven't subscribed already. We're, we're, we're uh, closing in on 7,000 subscribers. And I think on YouTube, if you hit 7,500, that's like a milestone where they uh, recognize that and do something. I don't know what they do, but if that's like a, hey, you're a decent-sized channel now, congratulations. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, I was going to ask you something, Dan. I, I, I put that video up the other day just the four days i was hunting in wisconsin and um someone was like shocked that a button buck busted me in the stand um and i kind of commented on it uh i'm like hey man that that button buck has probably seen more humans or seen their mom you know freak out from something from kind of pressure in in that area i was hunting than like a three-year-old buck would see in in iowa in his short five months of living, would you, you think that's right? I don't know. I, uh, I think a lot of it's instinctive. Yeah. Like um, just he's born here naturally. He's yeah. I mean, he's a fawn. I mean, what has he really seen? There ain't too many people in the woods in the summer. I don't know. Just my opinion. But uh, I don't think there's many people in the woods in the summer. So he's probably had an interference or a, a, um, a run in with a human or two which is probably why he has that fear because I think they learned that fear from their mom. Yeah. But at some point he was probably with his mom and she ran into people and uh, he can sense the fear. And that's yeah. what teaches him. Well, but I, I, mean, I never, uh, you, you know, like the first week or so when I run into fawns and stuff, they just don't even really care that I'm there. Well, most. So that one is, probably will be a booner someday. <laughs> yeah. He, as soon as he hit my wind, he just like, he, he just like jumped 40 yards, just like jumped forward 40 yards out of, you know, bow range or whatever you want to say. Um, but I just, I just assume like he's probably seen his mom do that, you know, every day for his entire life just because well, of that he'd be doing that every day. I mean, well, I'm not talking about humans. I'm just talking about like, oh, just, for any she's kind gets, of cause, cause she's super spooky probably. Like she probably just scared of everything, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just thought I was going to ask you about that. If you think that fawns and stuff are naturally just more spooked um, in areas like Wisconsin or Michigan or wherever, Pennsylvania. I think they're stupid as a rock. Yeah. Especially this time of the year. I think you run into them later in the year. They're not so bad. But, you know, you know um, I just think about like uh, when they used to do that um, – that T-zone hunt where they would kill does to earn a buck and they'd have a gun yeah. hunt. They'd have it, uh, right, right, right. You know, when the does would kick out the, the fawns and those button bucks would wander around all day going, meh, meh, looking for mom. Yeah. Right. Get slaughtered. Cause they were so stupid, you know? Right. Um, I don't know this button buck. I mean, I, I'm almost certain it was a button buck. I didn't get a, I mean, where he came in, it was, there was a, pine tree between me and him but 
it was like he had little i could see little tufts of hair like on both sides of his ears right here mm-hmm. uh and i saw him just through the pines and then he jumped 40 yards and that's then the psalm so I, now, i'm pretty sure it was a bike or a, a, a year and no. a half oh i could see that being uh a deer that was well educated yeah unless unless it was a like i said it was you can see in the video i was looking through a pine tree um so unless it was like a unless it was a doe that had some kind of weird hair right here but uh um anyway it it came in by itself too so i just kind of assumed it was a button buck there was nothing so what, are we doing, what are we doing for this um michigan hunt you're gonna bring uh a tent for everybody or what? Yep. I got a wall tent. We put it up the other day and it was, uh, uh pretty easy to put up. Actually. I thought it was going to be a disaster, but, um, I think me, you and Rick will be staying in the wall tent together. Um, doesn't sound like there's any power or, uh, bathrooms or anything. So, so I told, uh, uh, Rick and Eric that they each got to bring a meal and you got to bring a meal too. So we'll okay. eat a meal for a day. I figured that means we'll eat good for three days and then Rick will bring a bag of hot dogs or something. <laughs> hot dogs and like plain Lay's chips. What she's going to be calling in now. Yeah. We tried to get him to call in uh, last week when we talked about his bear, but he was hunting, so didn't get around to it. Um, yeah, I'm excited to go up there and I got a uh, wood-burning stove for the tent too, so we'll be at least warm and stuff at night be able to dry our stuff off and um all that what's your plan you gonna just study maps and jump in or what are you thinking to look at are you um yeah i'll, I'll probably guy? what are you what are you thinking i'll probably start uh well now that i know the area we're gonna be in i'll i'll start looking at maps you know probably between now and and then every day a little bit when i'm not hunting uh here in indiana mm-hmm. Um, as far as, I don't know if I know anybody in that area. I was thinking that the other day, if I knew anybody up there, but I really, I really don't. Um, I don't know if we could reach out to Lou and see if he has anybody up there. It'd be good just to get a, a tip on a good piece of public up there. Um, I usually do stuff like that. Like if I'm going somewhere out of state, I'll do a little networking to see if Mm -hmm. you can get a hot tip. Um, but anyways, and then find a um, swamp and throw a dirt at the map. Yeah, start, start there. there. Well, I think because me and you will be hunting together, uh, so I think we can we'll be able to hunt things down pretty quick. I mean, having two guys makes a big difference. Yeah, I'd, I'd uh, like to start low and look at some swamps and swamp islands and stuff, and, and dive yeah, in. Sure. I don't really know exactly what Kevin has in mind if he's gonna if he's got some plan for when we get there because it's yeah. really his offense. So. I'm going to bring some hip waders too, just in case. And I'd like to find some place where I have to use those. Um, I just don't know how, do you know how wet it's been up there? Like some of the country's pretty dry. Just bring a backpack, man. A backpack. You put your pants and your underwear in a backpack and you just walk through. Yeah. I guess you can do that dry too. You dry land. Yeah. Let's yeah, not... dry. <laughs> no, that's a good point. I could do that. Uh, anyway, but another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But, uh, yeah, I was going to look at, try to find remote, remote, uh, islands or swamps, uh, swamps with islands on them. Um, maybe try to get a good area and then, you know, get there and see if there's anything that's not sticking out on a map that may be overlooked to, um, you know, something along the road or whatever the case may be. I think I might do a little research to find out what areas are producing the better bucks in the area. Yeah. And then look for the swamps in those areas. I, uh, this is kind of a tip, I guess. I do have a, we were just crapping on the Pope and Young earlier, but I have a Pope and Young record book up here. And, uh, I could go through the, that and look at the counties up there and see which one has the, you know, the most Pope and Young entry, entries. Um, I don't know how good of information that is anymore, but something, I guess, if, if a certain county up there has, you know, significantly more than maybe it's worth uh, looking there. But how far away you, you want to travel from where we're camping at? Don't matter to me. Yeah, I mean, me either. You've seen me on these trips. You know, you're up there hunting anyways. What's a three-hour ride if you're going to go kill something? The only thing I don't like about riding too far is if you ride three hours in daylight, you're you're losing three hours of scouting. Because I yeah. think for, uh, the amount of time you put on uh, on foot – is significant to, to the amount of success you have. Right. For sure. Road trip. So and I don't really know I how many guy, guys are going to be there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's something like Kevin's got a, quite a crew coming. And that could be, you know, that's always, if depending on how much public lands up there, it's like, that could be an issue. You know, if everybody's trying to hunt the same areas, well, it um, sounds like it's a vast area. Is it? Yeah, but okay, I mean, well, maybe near camp there'll be a lot of guys. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know either. Maybe we got to drive a little bit. Someone said there's a lot of bogs up in that area. Hmm. What's that mean to you? Bongs or bogs? Bogs. B-O-G-S. Certain bongs. Right. Yeah, bogs are... Uh, there might be a lot of bongs like, up there too. I'm not sure. Grassy swamp. <laughs> Do what? I think they're like grassy swamps, you know? Yeah. Bogs, you know. We get those floating bogs in the marsh that uh, where the cattails won't grow, and, and you walk in them, and it's like you're walking on a waterbed. Yeah. I don't think they're quite that bad. They're probably like those hummocks and stuff, you know? Yeah. I don't think yeah, they I... have for cattail marshes. Yeah. I think they might have like those, like, um, tag alders and stuff like that in that that region probably those like uh, tamaracks if we're lucky yeah uh don't they have a whole bunch of uh like ferns and like that kind of stuff like the 
the big. That's something we don't have down here, but yeah, there's some up there. Yeah, yeah. I gotta ask. Uh, I just thought of someone that was from up there, Jason Sam Koyak. He's from up there, I think, mm-hmm. or used to live up there. Yeah. Um. Anyways, we're not going to the UP. We're, that's someone asked of that. No, we won't be in the UP, but somewhere in Michigan. <laughs> the UP is almost just like another state. <laughs> oh. It feels like it at least. Um, I wouldn't mind anyone anyway. up there sometime this year. Yeah, I think it'd be fun because to... you get two tags in Michigan. Yep, you get doe tags too when you buy. It's like it's like a bundle kind of deal. Um. I can't remember. I know I had last time I went, I had a doe tag because I shot a doe. I can't remember how that worked. I wouldn't mind getting a doe tag. Yeah, I'd shoot a doe. Yeah. I'd like to eventually in my life, like a goal might be to try to shoot a whitetail in every state that there's whitetails in. So I'd shoot a doe up there just to get that one off the list if I need to. Yeah. Um, It seems like there's a lot of deer in Michigan. I don't know about that part of Michigan or where we're, you know, wherever we're going to be, but, uh, there's enough. seems like we'll getting, in, getting in front of a deer may not be a, that big of, uh, of a problem. Um, there's also like, I get the feeling in Michigan, there is a bunch of hunters, right? Like it's, a, there's a bunch of hunters. Uh, mm-hmm. but it seems like it's those traditional, like, you know, hunt opening weekend, go set in my box blind and that's that's it i think like maybe a lot of people are, are that way but then at the same time like you we know, got a lot of you know, um it's always been the um the way people look at michigan um i think there's some truth to that but i think a lot of it's changing i think kind of like it's changing around here and it's changing by you i mean people are getting better yeah people are starting to um um seek out um big bucks they're starting to learn how to read terrain they're starting to like to um like to actually hunt instead of sitting in a bait pile or yeah rotate through stands actually hunt stuff you've seen a lot more of that going on and i think um i'd like this th- i'd like to think the the groups like we have and the hunting public and yeah and are, are all uh helping with that trend because i think it's a good thing yeah. You know, yeah, it adds pressure to what we're doing. I get a lot of complaints from people going, you're the one that caused all these problems. Like when I did that last video, I mean, a lot of people were like, what did you expect? I'm like, well, you know what? I'm not complaining. I was just saying I saw more cameras than I saw a deer. I wasn't saying that people are bad and, oh, my God, I, I shouldn't give people information or something. I love, I love it that people are hunting like this. And the more people out that are doing it, it might make it more of a challenge for me. But then when I kill that buck, it's all that more greater. You know, yeah, right. And I will. It's just a yeah. matter of figuring people out and figuring out what's going on and how deer get around them. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't mean my comment. I didn't mean about like, I didn't, I didn't mean that there wasn't uh, good hunters in Michigan. I meant, I think that the reason they have so many license sales, you know, they always talk about how many hunters license sales uh, in Michigan. And I think it's because there's so many people up there that have that tradition of, hey, our whole family buys a deer tag and we all hunt together. And then I don't think about deer hunting at all. Uh, after that weekend, you know, yep. um, so I think that's where that pressure, you know, the, the Michigan pressure really, um, yeah, they hunt, they hunt more too, from, you think about it because they get two tags, you know, yeah. bow, whatever. That's a good you point. Know, you get one tag. 
Yep. So you get a lot more people either bow hunt or the gun hunt. Yeah. And uh, we get one gun tag and one bow tag, and they're not interchangeable. Now you can right. bow hunt with your when your gun tag, but it's during the gun season. Right. So, I mean, you got guys that'll hunt the whole season because they got two buck tags in Michigan. So they do a lot more hunting. You know, they're probably in the woods more. They probably actually get more uh, experience that way too by spending more time in the woods. I'm sure a lot of those guys uh, shoot the first nice buck. Yeah. And hold out for a real big buck, which is probably why they don't have as many big bucks there. I mean, you look at Indiana, I mean, if you really want a big buck and you shoot a nice buck, you ain't going to get a really done. big Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, Michigan's had the two buck thing forever, too. We used to whenever my dad was younger and they changed it about the time I started hunting. Um, but I didn't think about that. Like, people just keep hunting. That's a good good point. Um that's yeah, you, somebody that, you look at some of these states like uh like that down south and stuff that have like a, a buck a day and stuff oh, like that. Oh man. Those guys, I mean, they got some pretty hardcore good hunters that you never hear about because down down there they don't really have the trophy class that we have up here, so nobody makes a big deal out of them. But you got right. people down there that have killed a hundred deer in their life, you know, a hundred bucks, which oh, is yeah. really a huge accomplishment if you think yeah, about it. It's still a whitetail buck too, you know. It's not just because it has a small rack doesn't mean it's not as smart yeah, as anything, you know. you know, mature bucks, two or three year old bucks or four yeah. year old bucks. It's just, they have a small rack, right? Sure. Yeah. My uncle lived in South Carolina and I think that's what there, it was a buck a day there. Um, they also down South and some of those States, the dog running community is really big too with deer. So I think that's some of that derives from that. Um, but anyway, well, you want to start answering some questions, Dan? Um, or do you want to talk about Michigan anymore? <laughs> no, we can answer some questions unless you want to talk about what we're going to do for the challenge. Or are you going to bring that back up? Or well, I don't know. Are we going to talk about that next week whenever we have another? Uh, uh, we have another show between now and then. But we we can talk about that too, though. No, we can talk um, about it next week. Yeah, that's that's fine. We can do some questions. We've been talking for quite a while. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we're, we're doing another, and that that'll be a whole nother. I don't know. It could be a whole nother episode because it's, you know, different time of year, different terrain for sure. I think. Did you announce what a guest is going to be? Yeah, we did. Okay. Uh, Savannah Outdoors. Yep. Um, so she, she knows, uh, about it. And I think we, I said it a couple weeks ago or whenever it was. No, last week we said it. Um, I was telling people, I don't think you were on here. I think it was whenever me and uh, Gary and Brad, a bunch of people were asking in the comments, and I ended up telling them. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, Savannah is going to come. We, Me and Dan both, like, she had a really good entry. Like, she she did a good job in her emails and stuff. And then There was a lot of good ones. Yeah, there was. Um, That's the worst thing I hate about it is, like, deciding because you know you uh i know you feel like a few of these guys you know yeah but But, um just next time i was gonna say we'll do it again sometime for sure um it won't be the last time you get a chance to well i'd like to you know every time we do one personally that we do one i'd like to bring some public i think that's a cool thing yeah it is um we also kind of felt like maybe we could um savannah's a fairly new hunter she's only been hunting a couple years for deer so felt like it'd be just a for her a good learning experience too to 
to get more out of it than someone that's, you know, been hunting just their whole life kind of thing. But, mm-hmm. um, anyway, I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready for Saturday. Honestly, though, I can't even think about, I honestly can't think too much about Michigan until I get some Indiana sits under my belt. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's for me, it's, I mean, I've been hunting for quite a while already and you, you just get started and I'm dragging you off to Michigan. <laughs> That's all right. Maybe, maybe I'll get killed one this weekend and I have to even think about it anymore. So that's the goal at least. Um, anyway, all right, let's, uh, I'm going to put the link into the chats to get in here. If anybody wants to, to call in, I'll see you at the bottom of the page here. Just be patient. If we're answering a question or something, um, it'll take us a, a, a minute, um, to get, to get you in here. All right, let me start going through some questions here. It'll take me a minute. I don't have my, uh, I heard my son crying a little bit ago, so I think my wife was taking care of him. So I don't have my, uh, I don't have my moderator here. Someone said they prefer having a one buck in Indiana. Um, me too, Aaron. I, I think it's, a, I don't think it's a bad thing. Sure, we can't. We can't like rack up our buck numbers that we've killed in our lives, but we also, uh, have decent quality. Whereas, um, some other states struggle with that. All right. We got a call in here. Nick, can you hear us? Yeah. Hey man, how's it going? Good. Got a question for us? Uh, yeah, I was wondering because I live in Michigan. You guys are hunting the northern lower. Mm-hmm. So up on the uh, northern lower on the west side, uh, the Traverse City area, we have a antler point restriction. You got a little bit of hill country up there, swamps, oaks, a lot of ferns. Not too much pressure this time of year at least um, what's the antler restriction like four on a side or i'm pretty sure it's four on one side i don't yeah. way i'm from i'm from mid michigan i'm from like saginaw area mm-hmm. but i've i've worked all over i work down by detroit mostly but uh I've done up there, Cadillac, Michigan. There's some big bucks that way. Manistee, there's big bucks out there. Shit, I got pictures from when I was at work. Uh, we were staying in a hotel over there, and I had, I don't know, probably 430 or better standing on top of the hill, and I'm in the parking lot of a day's end. And I'm like, <laughs> like July. But, yeah, that's, uh, there's all sorts of tiny lakes up there. There's that whole pretty much where i live in bay city so pretty much where i live north and west east everywhere the whole upper half of michigan is pretty much either national here on national forest or state land so you can get away from people and like i said right now bow season or especially early there's nobody i mean there is but not not you like see a truck every here and there, right? Oh, I mean, you'll you'll 
yeah, I mean, for it's just different, you know. Michigan, if I see a truck, one, two trucks in every parking lot, I'm like, who? Nobody's hunting today. Cool. But come November fifteenth, you know, that's our rifle season opener every year, November fifteenth through the thirtieth, and you come here November fifteenth. There's more orange than there is brown in the woods. <laughs> yeah. And there yeah. and people, you know, people in Michigan aren't too courteous either. They'll just pull in <laughs> to like the uh to the parking lot and they'll have six guys set up with fifth wheels and campers and just take it all over and <laughs> but yeah. I mean there's up there, like I said, you got that's where our hilly country would be. It's nothing like I just I hunt down in northern Kentucky. And I love it there. It's hill country. That's why I actually, how I found you two uh, was trying to figure out how to hunt it. You know, I'm from where I'm from in Michigan. If there wasn't people and woods, I could see from here to Indiana, probably it, it's flat. Yeah. But, you know, we got one hill in the city I live in. We got one hill because it's, it's a bridge going across the river and that's where we go sledding. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Acorns are hit and miss right now in Michigan, as far as I've seen. And then, yeah. But yeah, that side, it's all good up there. I don't know. I don't want to ask exactly where you're camping at, but. Yeah, I don't think we know exactly yet. So we're going to tell you, journey ways, man. There's plenty of places up there. Cool, but man. But you got to get some burners. And you got to get some better made potato uh, potato chips. And if you're going to get hot dogs, you better tell them to get some cold ones. All right. You hear that, Rick? Rick, yeah. listen. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Cold Wolf Vienna's. That's All where right. you go. All right, man. Appreciate the call, Good man. Luck, guys. Thanks, Thanks for everything you can do. Yep. Talk to you later. Thanks, Bye. Thanks. All right. We got uh, another call in here, Dan. Hey, Mike, can you hear us? Um, yeah, Mike. Everyone can see and hear you. Hello. Hey. Can you hear you? Question? Hello. Can you hear, right. us, Mike? you hear us, Mike? You hear us? Uh oh, I think he's on mute, maybe. One second. Hey, Mike, you have to hit the unmute button. Hello. Yep. Can you hear there, us now? Yeah. Nope. Hear us? Can you hear me yet? Yeah. Yeah, can we can hear you. hear you. All right. Sorry, uh, sorry, Mike. I feel bad because he tried last week too and couldn't get through to us. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's it is what it is, guys. You have to follow the when you follow the link. There's some buttons you have to hit to allow the stream to access your mic. So make sure you hit all that stuff. Um, here's a question, Dan. How do you guys know when you want to give the deer the wind and when you want to the wind coming uh, from them to you? I've seen you do both, but how do you decide which? So um, I always want the wind in my face. doesn't mean I get that. So deer, when they leave in the evenings, they always, well, I shouldn't say always. They don't do anything always, but they, they generally... Uh, get up and go out of a bedding area up the well-used trails regardless the wind um the trouble is like especially like you get into hill country or you get into points in the swamp they might be bedding on a swamp point or a hill or a 
leeward ridge or something because of the wind and they're only there on a certain wind and if they're leaving into the wind well that's what you got to hunt or you can't hunt them because that's the direction they're going so then you look for a just off wind that's just missing them um and you look at how the terrain lays to, to to hunt it so that's how i'm really choosing it now you look at morning hunts and a lot of times um bucks will circle to the downwind side of bedding areas to come in in the morning and use their nose to go into a bed it's just not how they come out so uh i'll set up more to the downwind side in the mornings so that's basically how i'm choosing that yeah can you can you kind of just for anybody that doesn't know like what a just off wind is dan like a just off wind is a wind that is in the deer's favor so if they're if they're walking into the wind um a just off wind would be would be putting you in a position where your wind is blowing generally in that deer's direction but not quite like off like 30 or 40 degrees maybe yeah for sure like a lot of times it'll be like a a north wind bedding area and you got like some northeast wind or something just that you kind of work with a little bit I often I'll find myself like if I if I'm especially I'm out of if I'm out of state and I don't have a lot of time and I have a bad wind like I'll sit there and just look at a map and just try to find any angle or way I could get into that spot or hunt that area on that wind because you know especially when you're uh got a limited amount of time it's like you only got so many days and if that deer's there you got to hunt him or else you're not you know you're going to run out of time I have noticed that um you know when you see bucks come out into the wind they seem to come out a lot more relaxed. Yeah. When they come out wind to back, they, they tend to stop a lot, look around a lot, look in the trees a little bit and come out slower and check things out, you know, and maybe a little more closer to dark. Yeah. But they still come out, to, you know, the direction they want to go is the direction they're going, regardless of the wind. I do, you know, take that with a grain of salt because – they play the wind a little bit because you see them go down to the lowest point of a field when the thermals are dropping in the evening and smell the thermals before they enter the field and, and stuff like that. So they take that wind into, to, into account, but they still want to go where they want to go. They don't always walk with the wind to tail or wind to nose or crosswind or whatever. You know, I had a guy one time tell me that I was nuts, that he's shot several big bucks and that, every single buck he shot was wind to tail and that every deer he's seen every big buck he's seen was walking wind to tail and he says and all the years i've been hunting i said well how do you set up he goes i set up wind to tail because that's the only way deer move well and that's all you're gonna see <laughs> right yeah, good, good point. You know, i set up on all the winds you, you know and try to like you just said try to find a way in to hunt them yeah. Because you got a limited time too. Even even if you're not on a road trip, you have a limited time to kill that deer before he moves where he's living. Yeah. You know, usually a pretty short window. So you get in there and you do what you got to do to get a shot at him. You know, and, and that's what I mean. If you got no you got no chance, the wind is just totally wrong, I won't hunt it. Yeah, right. But I'm gonna try to find some way to get around that wind and get in there while the getting's hot. For sure. Okay, we got a, another call in here. Adam, are you there? Yeah, what's up, man? I'm dealing with two little girls that are sleeping. You're all so, good, man. Yeah, just bear with me. It's been a while, so. <laughs> uh, 
speaking of this win-based betting kind of off of that, Dan, I, my question is, <clears throat> when you're seeing these bucks get up out of bed of an evening, are, are you seeing them mostly side hill down to wherever they're going, or are you seeing them like stand up and drop straight down, say, you know, point A to point B, 50 foot at elevation, you know, kind of how are you playing that out? You know, are you, if you got a buck that's bedded at 12 o'clock, are you setting up at like three o'clock expecting him to side hill down? Or are you setting up at six o'clock expecting him to drop straight off that ridge? You know, every deer, every deer is different. I'm looking at the sign I see and, and rolling with it. The main time I see him side hill in his rut when they, when they're checking those winds at that, you know, like one third elevation, either either for betting they're up there or they're up there for uh, for rut. But uh, I think when they're going to food, they just drop. But I do see in hill country a lot of times that they kind of just play around on that hill going back and forth before they drop. It's like they don't just drop; they move around up there on that like on a shelf or the, uh, that elevation. So sometimes getting off just to the side is is an option if you don't think he's going to get to where you can kill him because getting below him can be very very tough with thermals, you know. Um, so I mean, every situation is different, but I think uh, a side hill is a way that uh, I've gotten in on him on a, quite a few occasions. Um, but it, you can usually tell if that's what they're doing because there's usually a sign that they're moving along that side hill or. You know, whether it be rubs or something, or the trail that's coming down from the bedding ain't coming straight from the bedding. It's coming from over a little bit or, you know. I got you. Yeah. <clears throat> Josh, my next question was, are you uh, you strictly going uh, traditional equipment here on out? or how's that going Oh, no. Uh, I'll go back and forth. Um, I'll probably use my compound here in Indiana a little bit. And, um I just like archery, man. I like I like to shoot all of them. Yeah, you kind of go all over the place. You got that uh, crazy bow, and you, you, you prime, and then you use the uh, the stick. I'm waiting for you to start throwing rocks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it was legal, I'd probably try it. Uh, anyway, yeah. Josh Wales, the slot master. <laughs> <laughs> well, two, I, toothpicks out of a straw. That's right. right. All right, right. Cool. dart gun. All right, man. Thanks, Adam. Bye. Oh, oh. hey, Nate can I, hear us. Yeah, can sorry. Hear us. I'll, be, I'll be honest with you, Nate. I accidentally clicked you in, but now that you're oh. here, now you're here. You're here. <laughs> How you doing, well, Nate? Welcome to it. Glad to be here. Anyways, uh, so we're chasing down this pretty nice buck, and it's I've never seen a buck like this in my life. It's big rack, and the tips of this horn are really white, almost like an elk. And this thing has got a lot of, lot of land it can run around, and some of it's private, a lot of it's state. And the problem is this buck will bed every single time, looking out into these openings, these pastures and stuff. And there's no way you can. I mean, he's got his wind to the back. He can smell you every single time you come in, and you can't get to him because when you want to do a like a side sweep to use the wind crossways. You're, it, you'd have to go through private and it's, I don't, can't quite make a way to get in on him. He's big for a reason. Yeah. 
So uh, I would try a morning hunt yeah. to get in there um, and realize that when he beds watching those openings, he's choosing the side that is uh, got the wind to his back. So he's looking downwind to the opening. So and... go ahead. Another another thing with that being said, what is a what is a deer who beds like that? What if what if the wind switches mid midday or something the next day when he's going to get up and move in the morning? Oh, uh, he if it moves if the wind shifts midday. Well, uh, during the night, during the night, if the wind shifts during the night. Well, then he then he knows and he beds someplace else based on the wind. Okay, okay. You know, they a lot of times if they bed an edge like that when the wind is blowing at them or at that edge, if he's always on the same edge is the time to hunt it because when they hunt, when they bet on edges, what I've found is they bet right on the edge, watching the opening when they got the wind to the back. But if the wind's blowing towards that, that edge, they bet back further and they smell the opening and they watch like the next opening or okay. there might even be a little tiny opening or small opening, or they just get buried in thick cover where they'll hear you coming. Yep. But they'll go back further on the same uh, transition area or zone or whatever you want to call it. Right. So um, like, um, like in farm country, um, we often have them bed on the blocks, you know, the square blocks and you have a really hard time hunting them because they, they bed right on the edge and then they get up and walk out into the field where they feed. But I find when the when the wind turns around and blows into the woods, then they bed further in, or they bed on the backside, and then so I can I get up in that area and wait for them to come back. Do exactly the opposite of what I've been doing. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Well, another question, if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. What? What? How ethical is it to hunt a food plot? That's on state land. Oh, I saw this question uh, in the in the comments. I would have no problem with it. I, I I don't see any unethical thing with it. I mean, um, yeah. I probably wouldn't do it because it's obvious for everybody. Well, no one hunts. I mean, there ain't anyone archery hunting where I live. I mean, you, the whole woods are all yours. I mean, it's no one hunts. There where you live at? It's a secret. Oh. <laughs> Why would it be unethical? I live in northern Minnesota. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. There, there ain't a lot of hunters up here. I mean, it, rifle season, yeah, good luck. You know, it's it's a zoo. You got to own land to hunt during rifle season is my personal opinion. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of state land, not a lot of hunters. So, I mean, there's tens of thousands of acres as far as you can, yeah. If there was a mature buck coming to a food plot on public land, yeah. I'd hunt on it. Okay. Yeah. And and we have a lot of what we like to call like state land owners. And, and they're doing it for rifle. Like these guys don't archery hunt. So their food plots sit vacant. They put in all this work, fertilized. So you, mean, so you, mean you got uh, people in the public putting their own food plots out on public yeah. land? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, that really? wouldn't be legal where I'm at. That wouldn't even be legal for him to do it. Oh, it's illegal. It's illegal. Oh, okay. Hmm. It's just That's like crazy. it's it's yeah. Yeah, I I don't think there's anything unethical about you, you hunting it. Um You'll see I don't it a know lot. That I would if somebody else put it there. I think uh I would have an issue with them tilling up the public land and doing that. I think Well, that's... and and that's and that's kind of where I come from is like 
you're you're almost taking ownership of land right. that you know is rightfully the public's. Right now, I now I get what you're saying. Yeah, that makes more sense. You know, see, I was thinking you were talking about like DNR place food plots. Right. We no. have Wisconsin. No. And, and you'll see it a lot because these people will have land in that area, and this might mm-hmm. half half a food plot might be on their land, mm-hmm. and half the food. But you're talking about you know an acre on public. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Dude, yeah. there's places up here. I'm not kidding you. Like I I know some spots. Or if a guy wanted to hop in a canoe, cross over a river, and uh, this guy's basically got it landlocked. You can't get it unless you cross that river where there's no bridge. He's got like a 15-acre food plot. On mm. state land, you can see it on Onyx. <laughs> Holy cow. You can see it on Onyx. Plain yeah, if that, if that happened in Wisconsin, they'd get nailed. Our DNR would go right out there and get them. I mean, they, they patrol that stuff. Constantly. Something something we have a problem with in Indiana is um, like ATV trails. People cutting ATV trails through the public, but um, never seen a food plot. See, I more or less don't mind the ATV trails mm-hmm. as long as someone's not cutting down anything big. Sure. You know, I it's just allowing yeah. more people to get out there and spend time in the woods. I feel like that's a wholly you know whole separate ball game. But the food plot, you know. And these people mm-hmm. do this up on like awesome oak ridges, you know, like oak ridges that transition back into swamps and then they'll have a food plot sitting right there. And it's just like, it makes you feel like you shouldn't go. That's something there. the DNR should be policing better. I mean, maybe you yeah. could uh, talk to your local warden about it. No, they don't do anything. Mm. <laughs> no, mm. no, we've, we've called in. Matter of fact, there was one year I was out hunting with my dad and youth on and this guy actually was tearing down our gear stand that we set up the night before because his food plot on state land was, you know, 300 yards away. Yeah, that's ridiculous. We come up, we come up walking to the ladder stand, and this guy is literally tearing it down in the morning, freaking out. If, the, if that stand is uh, legal to put up, that's harassment. Yeah, yeah. Called the DNR. DNR did nothing. Hmm. Matter of fact, if anything, it's gotten worse. <sighs> Mm, that's a new one for me. That sucks, man. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell you, though. And, Some people you'll suck. Get, you'll get these people, if they find out you're hunting back in there, they just get super territorial trying to get yeah. you off the state land. You know, there's, and they'll there's, run uh, chainsaws and cut down trees while you're hunting. There's territorial hunters everywhere you go. I mean, oh, I yeah. run them everywhere that, oh, yeah. that kind of harass you and try to take over areas. And uh, what I do is I just hunt mobile and I keep on moving around oh, and yeah. they never know where I'm at. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. 
Yeah, and that's that's probably a good point, Dan. It's like more than likely they're those food plots probably aren't any good anyway. Like if if they're messing around with them and all that yeah. on public mm-hmm. land. Um. Anyways, thanks, Nate. Appreciate it. Thanks, good. You guys have a good night. Yeah, you too. All right, Mike. We're going to try you one more time. Can you hear us? Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, hey, loud and clear. <laughs> Sorry nice. for all the trouble, guys. No, no trouble on our end. Well, go ahead. Trust me, there's trouble on my end. I am not a I am not a computer guy whatsoever. <laughs> so that being said, Josh, I want to really thank you for uh, coming up with this platform. This is something I will participate in and go through the pains of figuring out how to do it. <laughs> so, we pre- appreciate it, Mike. Uh, and and Dan, uh, uh, I really want to thank you for all the knowledge you share. Uh, th- uh, you you donate your time to help out with this, or however it's working out. However, you guys are doing this is great. Uh, Josh, you keep him talking. He just answers questions <laughs> for everybody all the time. I I've been watching you. This will be my third season, Dan, watching you. And I had a whole page full of questions. And just when I, after I had the time to finally get on your site, Josh, uh, and get caught up, like all my questions were answered. Oh, well, good. So <laughs> I had to get out. When usually somebody uh, else has the same question. That's yeah, right. Event, you're right. Somebody else has mm-hmm. the same question, and you get you get input that you were looking for. And so this is great to me. This is great because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna text and do all that stuff. It ain't me. So this is great. Uh, but uh, I'm from the northern Michigan area, lower Michigan area. Nice. And uh, I've found a, a since watching you, Dan, I've pushed uh, a lot deeper into the wetland that I, I like lowland to begin with. Uh, the hill country confuses me. It all looks the same, more or less. But <laughs> uh, but uh, so I pushed harder into the wetland. And I didn't get a chance to scout up this spring like I really should or need to. Um, you know, life does you that way sometimes. But I spent the summer doing some brook trout fishing and a little bit of kayaking. And uh, I found a spot that's uh, – there's some man-made features there, but uh, beavers have it backed up now. The man, man doesn't have it backed up, but beavers do. And there's some islands in there. And uh, I didn't go on all the islands. And uh, – uh, or all the points, but I, I walked around a little bit of the high country around the edges, uh, found some buck sign on the only one and only point that I wanted to check out, uh, went on to three of the islands, found deer beds, didn't find a lot of buck sign, but found deer beds. There's no real obvious food. It's no, no oaks or anything like that. Uh, and I plan on putting some effort into that country and seeing what I can find, you know, see, see what I can figure out and i guess my my main question is the beavers have got the land the water backed up so high that there's the the islands that i poked around on uh it it rises right out of the water there's really no edge to the island like Mm -hmm. like a lot of stuff you show there's a little bit of high ground a little ways away from the island and I, i couldn't find any of that so the smaller islands that I was on, I don't know that a guy could really get on the island or be there on him. So is it smarter move to hunt these points where you think he's he's leaving the island and coming to these points uh, as he's leaving at night? Yeah. And if then if it's evening time, I'd be hunting where he's going to or how yeah. he's coming off. And if it was morning time, I'd get on the island and wait for him to come back. But I wouldn't come up his trail to get onto it. Right. 
that, no, when you uh, drop off those islands and you're dropping into the water, is there still brush? Is your is it still like tag alders and stuff? Yeah, it's yep, it's all tag alders and red brush, and uh, and you know up on the higher country around there's slashings. We in in this part of the country, I'm not finding very many oaks. I know a couple guys that are finding some small patches. But uh, but even over in that country, I can't even. There's hardly I could hardly even find an oak tree over there. Mm -hmm. So, but there's some farmland about two or three miles away, and then like I say, there's all these slashings. So there's plenty yeah, of food the, there. The beaver, dams, beaver dams. They should find plenty of food. There yeah. Should be, you know, um, the regrowth of you know the poplar and uh, the dogwood and and uh, all the all the green plants that grow in there. I mean, they should be a smorgasbord and then they're probably making their way to the clear cuts. Yeah. That's kind of my impression. I think the, uh, the, the better deer are making their way, you know, out of that wetland to the higher country about dark. And, mm -hmm. and as soon as they get there, they don't have to go very far and they're into those clear cuts. And then, you know, at whatever time of night they want to, if they want to go out to where they're raising the cattle food, they can. Yeah. And the majority of your hunters are probably hunting right on the edges of the clear cut. So, you getting in those islands and stuff um, where the water is, you'll probably be in the action for the bigger animals. I'm sure the smaller animals are, are probably more prevalent around that food or around that uh, clear cut. But you're going to get on the bigger animals. Um, you might see less, but you'll see bigger animals down by those yeah. islands. Yeah, I don't care about that. I uh, uh, In Michigan, I, I didn't catch all what that other guy from Michigan said, but like right now, we can buy ten doe tags. Mm. So we we don't. I you know I can my my combination tag is worth uh, two bucks or a buck and a doe if I kill the doe with my bow. And then on top of that, I can buy ten doe tags. So, wow. uh, uh, you know, hunting hunting for decent bucks is a lot of fun. So yeah. I matter of fact, I don't. To me, it's about the hunt. I don't really, once you've killed something, then that's when the work starts, you know? Yeah, so, <laughs> that's right. You know, I, I love right. the hunt. So, mm -hmm. uh, Mike, we but, appreciate it. I'm glad you got on, man. Yeah. I, well, uh, I, we comment sometimes and you've answered some of my questions and I appreciate this. So keep it up, you guys. This is great. Awesome. Thanks for calling. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Thanks, yep. Mike. Bye. I'm glad he finally got on. I could, yeah, me too. I could, yeah, tell he really wanted to and I didn't know how to help him, but he figured it out. All right, we got another call in here, Dan, Xander. Can you hear Xander? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, I can. Oh, you're yeah. loud and clear, man. You, you sound oh, better really? than us. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, I just had one question. I was just uh, wondering how you can tell primary bedding from uh, seasonal bedding. And uh, I haven't uh, scouted this piece of property yet that I want to get out to, but uh, uh, I'm going to do some in-season uh, in scouting. And I wanted to know how to, like, identify that stuff when I uh, find it. So, so don't time, for basically. me, that would be more of a um, judged on the, the uh, amount of use and uh, the amount of beds. You see a lot of beds in a small area in a primary bedding area, but that ain't the only ingredient. You have to see um, the eight, like the um, the differences in sign. Like I would be looking for rubs that are from early season, from late season, yeah. mid season. Um, sign that would tell me that the deer are there all year. You want to see that it's got cover for okay. the majority of the season, you know, that, that it would hold deer. For yeah, I um, I hunt in Michigan, obviously, and uh, there's just uh, there's not that many rubs, not that many big deer around pressured mm -hmm. land. 
Um, so rubs aren't really that much of a help. So but, there should be some rubs. So you should yeah, be, yeah. you know, difference in ages of rubs. I mean, like if they're done, done early season or late season or, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. even if they're, you know, smaller or whatever, you should be able to see the differences in the, um, the age. Just, just trying to determine, you know, whatever you have to do in detective work to figure out that deer are there at different times of the year. Okay. Cool. Well, that was really it. I mean, that that's the one question. I mean, that's probably my hardest thing is identifying like yeah. what even, time of year to primary bedding. Um, the majority of it is uh, uh, still has like a uh, like a one or two week period where it's really peaks. Sometimes okay. a little longer. Like you get these um, like uh, ruddish type bedding frames that where they bed from like like October 15th to November 15th kind of thing okay. you know, where you get like 30 days. But usually there's a short window when it really peaks. And if you can figure out when that is, that's really helps you out. So like if you find a bed in area that uh, has a lot of beds like that, but it's just tore up with rubs, mm-hmm. you know, that would tell me, you know, and that would probably be out of the norm for your area. Yeah. So, you know, if you see that, that would tell me that they're there oh. at the end of October, early November mm-hmm. kind of time frame. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah, and uh, is it always going to be around like thick cover and edge? Always, I mean, without a doubt, or is it, you know, well, not always, but okay. uh, I mean, those are the places I would probably look first, but not right, always. Cool. And can you can you possibly identify that stuff uh, by uh, through a map, or is it just boots on the ground? Yeah, you could look at uh, transition edge. I mean, it, maps are never a hundred percent. You don't know what's going on until you put boots on the ground. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll look but at maps, historical maps. Maps are in the right areas. Mm-hmm. You, you know, uh, a lot of times maps have put me in great areas, but there's been a few times where you look at a map and you're like, that's the spot. And you go out there and there's yeah. a ladder stand or exactly, you, yeah. or, or it's just not what you perceived on the map. Uh, that shows that I'm hunting like everybody else, though. And I just need to get off that mindset. So, right. Yeah. The good thing is, is when you scout, if you go back and look at the maps afterwards, mm-hmm. whether you need them or not, and you look at them before, go out there, scout, and then look at them after again. And you're really going to start getting good at map reading because you see it firsthand and then you look at the maps. Yeah. And when you go back and forth like that, it'll make you really good at the map reading. You'll start yeah. seeing, you know, the correlation. Of yeah. Yeah. The terrain yeah. and what you're really looking for. I got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. Cool. Josh, you got anything to add on that? I'd like to hear some of your advice. Killing yeah. Business. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't have a lot to add to it. Obviously, uh, Dan always answers the questions better, better than I can, but um, I, 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 yeah, I would tell you like, man, like your, uh, your map stuff, man. I, I very rarely like rely on, on my map scouting. It's just, yeah. um, don't get too caught up on that. And there could be, cause okay. um, it's hard to, um, like you're talking about your, your bedding areas and whatnot. Like there's so many times you go into a, a, a piece of ground and um, you know, there's something in the woods there or wherever in the swamp that um, is abnormal or has created some type of a, um, a transition like you were talking about earlier. So um, make sure you're, you're being thorough. Like, I think another thing is like Dan always talks about like sectioning uh, your public off, like getting rid of oh, wherever yeah. everybody else has and then sectioning yeah. and all that'd be something good to do too uh, for you to find those. those yeah. Beds. Just an elimination process. I gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Um, cool. But keep after it. Cause it, it is yeah. hard when you're first learning, like, not easy to read a map i can tell you that and once you get better at it it'll it'll come so cool i appreciate it guys
Yep. Have a good one. Yep. Have a good season. Bye. All right. Couple questions. We're gonna take a couple questions, and then we'll get off here. It's getting late here in Indiana, at least. Um, Dan has to get up and go work tomorrow, so it's also late for Dan. <laughs> I don't. Uh, mean, this is good. But I probably will. Right. <laughs> I hear you. There's. A, this is a good question. Um, if you're hunting a food source like a crop field and you have to exit through the field, what would you do to spook the deer off at night? Mm. You could watch your 40 and take some random shots in the air. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, it depends. I mean, uh, a lot of times I don't even come back. So I just get down and don't care where they go or what they do. Um, if I had shooters in the field, I would probably um, try to wait till they moved off. If they're not going to move off, I'd just eventually sneak down and then just walk through. And when I walked, I wouldn't stop. No matter how they reacted, I'd just keep walking. Because I think they react differently to how you react. Like if you, you're perceived as a threat, um, somebody that pays them no mind doesn't walk towards them, doesn't stop and stare at them. Just keeps walking. I mean, they ain't blow at you, but they're more likely to come back, in my opinion. Um, but I think the the real key to killing those deer is to be in the right spot the first day. I know that's I know that's like uh, going to roll your eyes and make you think, uh, well, that's easy to say. It's not easy to do. Well, I know it's not easy to do, but those deer get real educated once you hunt them once, which is why you're asking the question. You know, it's it's hard. It, it yep. just is. Yep. Having a different way to get out of there would probably be better yeah. if, you, if you could find one. Right. Especially if it's like, if you're if you're hunting some private farm where you're planning on hunting this place multiple times, it's like, it's worth either, you know, mapping out a different way of getting out or cutting you some way to getting out or whatever in the uh, winter time. So uh, I went over by Dave's and hunted and... Uh, down in his bottom um i put one of those great cell cams down there yeah and uh it lasted about three weeks of solid does and then burnt out batteries went dead from taking a million pictures and i knew there had to be something going on down there because that's what a big buck's always been but i never got one on that camera i went down there and it's just loaded the giant rubs you know you yeah. go in there the does come out and feed past you and and when they get past you, they're going to get down with you. That's all you can do. And the first time I went in, um, you got to get your wind in there a little bit. So the way you go in there, you got to go up the, over this crest a little bit. And no matter how you do it, you have to circle it to do it, you know, without trespassing. And at some point, your wind's probably going to get in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless it's an exact straight north wind, I think, you, you know, or it's east or northeast. Um so anywho, the first day I had a northwest wind and I just figured uh, like a north-northwest and I figured, well, it'll kind of tinge it. And you got a like a, a hill that drops down there. So it kind of swirls and pulls your scent down there a few times too. So I just tried racing across the hill and I did. Then I circled around to the front. And you kind of hope that if they smell you on the top, you're 90 degrees to that, they'll still go that way. You know? Right. So I'm setting up my stand. The wind's, wind's now in my face. Well, I hear blowing in the buck bed area. And it's obviously from me being up on the top. And he probably did something to detect where I was now, whether it's sight or whatever. It's 
you know, maybe he's got a little opening or something. But uh, I thought, well, I'll give it another hunt tomorrow. Uh, right away before they have a chance. And right after the buck started blowing, I got in the tree anyways and hunted. And a massive storm came in. Hmm. Massive. I was blowing trees over and stuff. I was hanging on to the tree for my life. So, you know, you kind of burn that spot. But I really want to get in there again because it was just loaded with these giant rubs. So, you know, there's something big in there, right? Yeah. So I get in there and I I uh, go in the next day with a north wind and I, I'm able to, to, by staying down low on the other slope, keep my wind from ever hitting that bed in there and I get around and get down there. And uh, two different does that weren't together came out and came past me. Buck never came out. Um, that's one of those things. I mean, now I could just keep going down there and trying to figure out ways not to spook the does but I'm way better off just leaving that alone a little bit. You know, I know yeah. there's a big buck going through there, but if I go down and I pound that and pound that, and if this guy goes out there and pounds that field and keeps walking through those deer, he's going to have issues. You know, you did some damage. The best thing you can do is back off a little bit, either watch it from a distance or go hunt some other deer, some other place and just let it settle down. So maybe, you know, 20 or 30 days later, you have a fresh hunt again, or if it's, if, if it's a crop that's, you, you know, or something that they're feeding on right now and you know, it's going to change, well, maybe it's 10 days, but one of two things, either hunt it again the next day and try to get right where you came out the day before or wait as long as you can, but just pounding it ain't going to help you much. I'd love to go pound that thing over by Dave's and find out what it is, but, uh, it's obviously a big buck. It's rubbing trees, uh, belly to chest high to the center of the rubs. Yeah. All right. Let's do a couple more and then we'll, we'll hop off here. Do you guys have any tips on hunting calm days? Does your game plan or tactics change any when the wind is light and variable? Yeah. Today it was nightmare quiet out. Oh, oh really? Yeah. I had to, uh, I went out with, uh, Rick. Um, I wanted to leave the spot alone a little bit longer, but if it probably is prime and now is probably a good time to hunt it. Um, but there's a couple of good bedding areas, but it's a real tight spot. We got out there. It was dead quiet and we got in where you got to set up for both of us. We had to be within like 50 yards of beds and there's like, like, uh, twigs everywhere it was tough but i just went real slow and that and in that case i was right next to a highway yeah so i used the car traffic to step when the cars would go by put a stick on when the cars would go by and uh just did what i could to to use what i had around me to be quiet and i still felt like well maybe i made too much noise but i think i was in such tight quarters that if a deer got up and left i would have heard it um and nothing came through but uh you just do what you got to do i mean um i would right. rather go in there on a windy day but you got to go somewhere when it's quiet you still got to hunt i mean uh i don't know how anybody could get through a week without hunting seven times <laughs> i had that I had to pay the construction workers the other day for the building and we got into a conversation and stuff and it ended up uh taking me till like uh five o'clock and then i couldn't get to a tree in time and i was like geez 
<laughs> I'm going to miss a day. Right. So then I, got, I, uh, I killed two birds with that stone, and I told Carol, I'm going to take today off and not hunt and take you out to dinner. And she goes, no, you're talking to those guys so long you can't hunt. You think I can't see <laughs> Just at least play along. Right. But I took her out, so that kind of made up for it. Right. Got you some brownie points, I guess. I don't know. Can you make up enough brownie points to come back to even? I think she just got used to me. She's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Maddie still need to do that podcast about, uh, you know, how to do things with your wife and, uh, you know, get her to let you hunt more. Right. right. We got to do that sometime. Careful. She's (laughs) listening. Oh yeah, probably. She may be sleeping now. It's getting late for her. Um, let's get off here, Dan. I know there was some more questions in the in the comments, guys. We'll uh, we'll try to get to them next week. Yep, for sure. Uh, yeah. Um, I will stay awake at night thinking about uh, Saturday morning or Saturday evening. I guess probably more like it. So I can't wait for this weekend. So hopefully next week we got a, some good stories to tell at least. Or at least a kill to talk about, maybe. You're already working on your goals for next week. I'm working on my goals for tonight. Three hours of sleep. If I can do that, yeah. golden. Yeah. Well, everybody, thanks for uh, getting on tonight. Don't forget to subscribe. Hit the like button. Um, and we'll see everybody uh, next week. I may get on here Friday night. We got some. I got some buddies over. We may just get on here and BS for a while. But Dan will be on next week sometime. So see you guys later. Have a good night. Yeah.